cliffcentral.com. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is uh, the burning platform. Time for us to check in on the big stories of the week. And we have a full house today. It looks like everybody's here, and we're very, very pleased about that. We got Pumi, we got Mighty Jamie, and I'm very pleased to welcome Dogozo, who's from the EFF. We haven't had the EFF in here for a while. In fact, We've been, uh, to- I know Ryan's been trying to get you guys in here because it is your 10th year. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the, in fact, he was the first person I interviewed after we started Cliff Central was your commander in chief. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we've, um, we've been interested to watch your journey as we've grown. You guys have grown and obviously things are happening for the EFF. So it's very nice to see you. Uh, Pumelele, where do we want to begin today? Jamie, by the way, uh, it's also good to have you here again because the last time you were here, you and Pumi had an argument about, um, I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> He's ungovernable. I can't believe we let him back in well, the door. He, ungovernable as he is, people like to hear from him. And he says some sensible things for me. So you've got to, you've got to acknowledge that, um, at least we, we, we like having people in here with contrary opinions to our own. But I do remember the last time you two had a proper argument and it was fantastic. I love an <laughs> argument. You so, know why I am so excited to have you here? Is because of the birthday celebrations, of course, and because because of the press conference mm-hmm. that Julius had a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Are you here to name and shame all of those people that did not get the buses Actually, together? Actually, I am here to talk about the celebration. It's the biggest celebration that South Africa will ever see. I mean, it's the first time we see a political party that have started from. The beginning and now where we are. I mean, you had other political parties that have failed, like Ahang, uh, Cope. The fact that EFF is turning 10 is one of the biggest achievements, I think, in the history of South Africa. But I think it's important to have a conversation, particularly about that celebration, because we didn't know what was tasked, what all the people were tasked with until Julius had the press conference mm. to tell us that there was a directive put out and that the people did not meet the requirements and that he is the one that said they would be named and shamed. I've been patiently so waiting they, to see What did these list. people not do or do? I'm, I'm confused. Okay. Before is, this, we... is this for the celebrations itself? Yes, it is particularly for the celebrations. Service providers who did not deliver. <laughs> who? I don't understand. The commissars no. did not deliver. Okay, before we come there, you see, we must talk about the celebration <laughs> in totality. You know, we must be able to explain to the people that EFF is 10 in 10. We're going to be having the celebration of the poor on the 29th of July, 2023. But, um, and that's going to be at the uh, FNB Stadium. When you have a celebration for the poor, what do you, what do you, what do you put on there? It's a celebration for the poor. Well, we're just going to be having the biggest time of our life and it's been a build-up by the okay way. but like what do we uh, who, who who qualifies as the poor everybody who can anybody to, come ev- it's ev- the rest of all what do you do if so, what do you do what if you do if like a a, a powerful cigarette magnate uh, arrives there and says he's among the poor do you do you keep him in there as well all south africans are invited <laughs> to come and celebrate the 10 years of uh unbroken struggle that the eff have Delivered to the people of South Africa. All right. Yes. We we will we'll perhaps get onto this a little bit later on because I know Pumi has lots to ask you about this. But uh, Dogozo, I just want to ask you as a member of Parliament, mm. how's Parliament doing? Because you guys still haven't moved back into your building. <laughs> Parliament's a disaster. We haven't had an MP in here for a long time, mm. and it seems to me like you've just settled into the Cape Town City Hall like forever now. I mean, is there anything being done there? Have they have they updated you? Have Public Works come to you guys and said, hey, by the way, you you can 
resume your offices there. We can carry on with sessions of parliament from there, or is it a disaster? It is a disaster because since they conned it off, uh, nothing has happened. I mean, we do go there and um, as committees do sit. Um, others members do join via Zoom as well. Uh, but nothing has really been happening much. And that is why the EFF kept on calling that the parliament should be moved to Pretoria. I mean, we've been calling for that for a longest time now to say, why don't we move um, parliament to Pretoria? It's going to be uh, cheaper, actually. You are going to have both parliament there and you're going to have the departments as well there. Yeah. So it's going to just make sense if you just move parliament to Pretoria. Um, but you can tell wow. that they don't want They want us to keep on flying up and down. Yeah, they like they spending want to money. Make sure that, they like um, spending money. You know, you keep MPs there, you know, housing for them, mm-hmm. housing for ministers. They don't want to make sure that at least we would have cut a lot of money if we would have managed Absolutely. to I completely push, agree um, with you. push parliament to. You will find, uh, Dogoza, during the course of this conversation, there are actually going to be many things you and I agree on. Mm-hmm. And the audience will be, uh, there will be consternation about some of these <laughs> things. But I'm with you on that. And I also think that there are too many people in uh, the situation who are on the take, who have no interest in fixing things. I mean, now we just saw this disaster in Johannesburg, mm. right? And I don't know which ward you represent or which uh, who you're actually an MP for mm. in terms of your constituency, but Johannesburg is now a toilet and it's a cracked toilet. It's not even a good toilet anymore. And it's just embarrassing to me that we don't have a parliament that works. We don't have a, our main city, the main economic hub is now looks like a war zone. Um, we know Etequini's got huge problems with sewage fly, flowing all over the place. Uh, during those riots and during the floods, people are still living in squalor there. So take our three biggest cities. There are horrible disasters in all three. All three of them look like shitholes, like Donald Trump called us ages ago. And I mean, this is just a horrible state of affairs to find ourselves in. I find it very difficult to be positive as a South African at the moment. So if your 10-year celebration gives people who support you and you guys a reason to celebrate, I'm all for it. Honestly, it, we're it looking does for reasons. Look very bad, but there is hope. And we always tell people that, um, you know, the only way that you can change the situation in this country is by voting the ANC out. And that's just that. South Africans need to come out in their numbers next year and they need to go and make sure that they vote and they, they do the correct thing and they vote for the EFF and make sure that they vote the ANC out. Because as long as the ANC is still in power, you are still going to have such situations because the ANC does not care about anybody else except the ANC. They put themselves first. The cadres of the ANC put themselves forward and they put themselves first and they don't care about any other thing that happens in this country except what's in for them. And that is one of the biggest challenges that we're facing right now. Dogozo, how do you then reconcile that statement and that stance with what we have seen in the municipalities like in Johannesburg, like in Eguruleni, where the EFF have then aligned themselves with the ANC? Mm. How do you reconcile those two things? So you say to people they must vote the ANC out, and if they do vote for you, you use those votes to align with the ANC. Okay, maybe let me correct this because I know a lot of it's been marriages, people have to say coalitions and alignments. <clears throat> We're not aligned to anybody. We made a decision as the central command team that we're going to now participate in government so that South Africans can be able to see how we govern. And I'm sure you have seen that where we have taken um, MMCs, we have actually been doing quite well. Take, for example, in Johannesburg, the health 
department. You have now come to see that we have clinics that are opening now 24 hours. We're making sure that everything functions and is properly functioning well. But that didn't happen in the last 18 months. No, it is happening right now. No, but what I'm saying is, for instance, the clinic in Alexander has been opening late since, I think, 2018. Before that, so it's not the function of the MNC being an EFF member that's now not the only, clinics open not that only way. Do you find that clinics were open, but you find that clinics were open, but there was actually no staff and there was no medicine. So we are making sure that everything within the clinics are now functioning and are functioning properly. You know, we had another little incident which was amazing where you find that the generator hasn't been working. It was just a simple matter of maintenance. It, mm. it nothing was needed which was major. It was just a maintenance so, issue. I, d- I just want to like caution, and of course, you know, everyone here is allowed to ask whatever questions they want, but I, I do think it's worth us looking at the bigger picture mm. today because we don't really have an opportunity too often to have the EFF in here, just like we had the ANC Youth League the other day and we all piled on about all the ANC issues. Um, while I think that there are lots of things that we will disagree about, mm. and I'm sure Jamie's got some questions for you too, I do think Pumi's point's relevant. It's like, what kinds of coalitions, because you guys aren't going to outright become the government. There's no possibility of that in 2024, even though you probably have dreams of that coming to, to materialize. Who would you be prepared to sit down and talk to? Because Julius made some comments about this just this week. Yeah, with the moonshot this week, yeah. And he said, we're prepared to talk to anyone. If they don't want to talk to us, fine. That sounds to me like a sensible approach, because you should in politics be able to compromise in an effort to try and bring about the right kinds of changes. You um, know, do you want to do you comment on that and say who yeah, you think isn't isn't a potential you partner? Know, Garrett, let me tell you, we have always been open, um, and I can take you back to 2016, um, the 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 local government elections, uh, where we sent out as the central command team a delegation to actually go and speak to everybody to say this is our demands that we wanted um, as the EFF and then anybody who will then at least meet us halfway we were willing to work with them we have always put the people first and not ourselves and it was a serious thing that we entered because we decided not to take government in 2016 at all. We could have participated in it, but we decided not to because we knew at that particular time that we're not ready as the organization. But now we are, and that is why we're now participating in government. So, right. you know, the moon pack short, eh, yes, 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 you know that one. I, yes. You know, um, it's fine. Let them go in August and do whatever that they want to do and speak about whatever that they want to speak about. Obviously, they are allowed to. But it's, it, it puzzles me what type of a, a political party that can want to go to the election already thinking that they're going to lose that election. We are working very hard as the organization. I mean, we last year we had a one million uh, membership um, registration campaign that we had. Now we have a five million where we are registering new members like new people in the IEC just, to make just sure for, that we have our own voters. For context, because I know Jamie's got lots of questions he wants to ask you, but um, just give us a little bit of a story about how you got involved in the EFF and your own background. Yeah, your own background. Me, myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about okay. you for a second. I mean, it's not going to. Well, maybe as we celebrate the 10 years, um, everybody has their story to tell. We want to hear yours. Um, well, I joined the EFF in 2013. Um, 
I think I was one of the fortunate ones because I've managed to serve in the branch. I've served in the provincial level and now I'm in the national level. So it's one of those where you understand properly your what has been happening and who we are as the organization. 2013 was a very beautiful year indeed. A lot of people thought that we were never going to make it. Uh, but here we are now, we have made it. So one of the reasons that I joined the EFF is the language that the EFF was speaking about, uh, socialism. And they were also speaking about putting <coughs> the dignity of a, a black person um, up front. You know, they were fighting for a lot of things, including trying to make sure that we correct the what have happened in the past. Um but above everything else was to make sure that South Africa has a future. And if you have realized what happened in 2013 is that a lot of people who joined the EFF were not politicians. Literally, a lot of people who joined the EFF were people who were just tired of uh, the status quo of what was happening in this country and they needed a change. And I think maybe that is one of the reasons we have survived the way that we have survived because it was not people who say, I want to be a member of parliament or I want to be a councillor. It was literally people who just said, I want a change and I'm going to give my ultimate best to make sure that I give my two cents or my five cents or my 10 cents to make sure that we can change the status quo in this country. So, okay. yeah. So right. I joined in 2013 and it's been wonderful ever since. So you pretty much are like a founder member then. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. So Jamie, uh, you, you've been very seriously taking notes. Go ahead. You, you want to put some questions to Dogozo? Well, I mean, I don't have questions so much as comments about this, um, coalition, the moonshot one as a starting point. All right. Because I think everyone is thinking about coalitions because they are a factor. They're frustrating everybody and. Everyone's trying to figure out how do we navigate this space? And I think your question about everyone making some kind of deal with the ANC at some level, but then saying that they want to go against the ANC confuses the electorate. And when I think about the moonshot, what confused me about the way the DA set up their conversation was that they came out and said, we've got two enemies, the ANC and the EFF. I thought, okay, this is a bit strange because Everyone's frustrated with the ANC. Why are you also picking a second enemy when you could have just come and said, we need to get the ANC out of government and we need to do so in the most strategic manner possible. So if you've got a party that is polling between 10 and 13%, depending on what poll you look at, why would you want to exclude them from the conversation from the jump? I thought that was confusing. I thought those terms of reference for a starting conversation were wrong. And maybe that's why John shouldn't have been the person to lead this conversation. I think this should have been led actually by a retired politician, somebody who's not active in the game. Problem is none of them bloody retire. That's, that's, that's a challenge. Maybe like they all stick around for far too long. <laughs> for instance, someone like, should talk to Bantu Olomisa <laughs> seriously and say to him, it's time. And and Monsieur Lecotte. I mean, someone's going to talk to them, right? That's, oh, don't do that person. Okay. His no. serving. So let me stick to the main point. So let's assume we could get the gift of the giver's leader to <laughs> convene a conversation. Right? Okay, he you're right. Because he's actually, he's done more public service than uh, anyone in government. And he's a neutral okay. guy, right? So everyone respects him. If, if we had that kind of an umbrella, I think you could have people coming in and having a conversation about what does a government look like under a coalition of, you know, um, different political parties with different ideologies, but 
who are trying to serve a South Africa that is genuinely frustrated with the way the cities are looking, the way the country's looking. That is something that I think could have worked more than this particular moonshot type of framework. The reason why I'm, I'm making this comment is it's so difficult. If you look at Turkey, it's so difficult to beat incumbents. Mm-hmm. And they're difficult to beat Especially because... Especially when they're crooked like uh, Erdogan. <laughs> yeah. But if, if you were to think that uh, Erdogan is, 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 is a bit crooked, wouldn't that same argument extend to the ANC? Oh, they're all crooked. So, and, and, and if you look at the way... I'm Banyaza, not going to get into socialism when it's got like 200 million dead bodies piled up in its name. Okay. I'm going to come back to you right now, Garrett, but... Before I, I come that, I need to explain, uh, because I don't want this to be left. Un- sure, Jamie's question, yes. Jam- Jamie's comment. Yes. Yeah. Um, the EFF has never been in coalition with anybody. That I, I want people to understand. Um, but what have happened was that, you know, I know when you say to us, it doesn't make sense why at the beginning. You see, at the beginning, we were strategic about what we're doing. We decided to take away the governance away from the ANC within the municipalities because that's what they were using to eat, to make sure that we weaken the ANC. Because honestly speaking, our opponent is not the DA. DA, we're not even worried about the DA. Our opponent was the ANC, and we needed to make sure that we deal with the ANC first. So you took away those mayorship, you took away those MMCs. They could not steal, they could not do anything whatsoever. So it was a strategic move from the EFF to make sure that we deal with the elephant first, which is the Mm -hmm. ANC. And then once that was done, right, we are now coming to say we're satisfied with the position that we see where the ANC is. Everybody understands, and that's why you can even see the panic um, that is happening with this uh, moonshot pack that is happening because everybody understands that the ANC will not give will not gain fifty percent next year. They will they will not make it to the fifty percent, and that is why us as the EFF we have made sure that we are running our race. We are not in here with coalition. Mm-hmm. We are making sure that we are going to make sure that President Julius Malema becomes the president of the Republic of South Africa next year. Okay, now come to my question about if he's the president of South Africa, what is this? What is still attractive about this philosophy that, that you guys on the left are still obsessed with years and years after it has proved to have failed everywhere else? And I don't want to be mean, but you don't control a single municipality in this country. You guys don't have any experience in government whatsoever. And the idea that you would not only come in and try to fix and maintain things. Let me take you at your word and say that you, your intentions appear and you want to make the country run better. And you want to look after poor people. And you want to do good things. Let me accept that that is true. And I'm not going to argue with that whether you – I mean for all the people in the comments who are saying, oh, but the EFF is this and that. I'm going to take you at your word. To implement then the most destructive system – of the last 150 years, why would you do that? You know, Gareth, the problem is that we live in the world where capital, capitalism yeah. will always make sure that they win in the end of the day. But it's just a free market. You know this. I mean, like, don't you and I want to be able to trade if you've got a nice EFF jersey that I let, want? Let her finish her No, no, but, but we've got to define here because capitalism mm. is different to what I think the EFF can – Sort of capitalism to be. So if I want your jersey, I'll pay you a fair price. If you don't want to accept my price, you don't have to give me your jersey. That's all free markets are. 
Well, it depends on how you you put. Okay, let's then take it to the South African content and what we're faced with right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we start by saying that we want expropriation of land without compensation for equal distribution in use. The reality is, in this country, we don't own anything. You know, our own country does not own anything on the basis that the land is not with us. You know, you can't do anything without the land. Let's start there. But first. that's not a true statement. The state owns more land than any other entity. No, it does not. It absolutely no, does. It does you can look at the land registrations. It you can, you can go not. to you can go to the deeds office. You could yeah, see it. It does not. It so where did you not. get that fact? It does not. You own made it up. The state does not. It Who does? does? Not. It's privately owned. Most of this country is privately owned. That's yes. absolutely not true. It is kind of privately owned. It is privately owned. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we're faced. You're not telling me where you know that in, from. I'm telling you, it you is privately it owned. Up. It's not made up. Because but if you, okay. Okay, here's what, here's yeah, what I have a question. I, I have a, a slightly different question because we're not moving forward from this. All right. What are the top three Policy priorities for the EFF. And explain it to me like I'm an 18-year-old, first-time <laughs> voter. Okay. The first one is expropriation of South African land without compensation for equal distribution. And then the second what one… What does that mean? If I'm an 18-year-old, okay, we, what does that mean? Okay, we want to make sure that the state owns the land. So that because they've run everything else so well. No, no, no. But you see, you're, you're, <laughs> no, that's the ANC <laughs> state. No, don't, don't okay, say right, that. Right. that, that I'm not going to distract. Carry on. Carry, carry on. Moment carry on. Is carry owned on. by the ANC. Mm. So everything that people speak about, they speak about the ANC <laughs> and not <laughs> us. So the first thing that we want, we want expropriation of land. The 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 state must be the custodian. Everyone's what land, does that mean? Everyone's land will be taken does away and mean, then redistributed. Yeah. So what does that mean? Does that mean nobody owns a house? Nobody owns their land? It is all owned by the country? Yeah, and how do the we do country that practically? Via the EFF decide who gets to do what. You apply. You make an application. No, I, and then is you that say, what it means? Yeah. First answer yes. my question with the yes so or no. So this is what's going to happen. Now the land is in the custodian of the state, right? So all those people who paid for their properties or who have most of their wealth in their properties, it's all gone. Let me explain, Karen. Mm. Now, I am, for example, we have a lot of land that is just sitting around that's not doing anything. You have people who will tell you, I'm having a farm, a farm, and then when you go there, you find that there's only one ostrich there. There are literally, there's land, there is a lot of things that we could use building industries within this country, okay, but, but we cannot do it on the basis that we don't have land. Okay, but, People but you're, don't talking, have a place you're to talking about stay. the leftover land. No, what about Pumi's house and my house and Jamie's house? No, but imagine, are, imagine we own, what happens to that? Because if you expropriate everything, what happens to the existing value of the economy? And especially what happens if the bank is owed more than the property's worth? Does the EFF and the state then take on the debt as well, what happens? You know, Garrett, what they've happened is that when we started or when they, when we begin to start about the expropriation uh, bill, what happened was that you, you, you saw how the land 
was just the prices just went very high, like in South Africa. All of a sudden, where you know people were the people who owns the land in this country started even rebonding those, uh, taking money against those, so that they can make sure that the situation becomes very difficult in terms but when the time comes for let's us. Let's just to go back to expropriate. How is expropriation so, going to work? I think this is because yeah, we've never had this explained to us properly, this, and this and, is why I insist that you explain it to me as you would to a new voter, because these are the people you want to give you the mandate. So what I want to understand is who gets what and who is in charge of making sure that that happens. Okay, so the EFF approach on the land expropriation without compensation is that all the land should be transferred to the ownership and custodianship of the state, right? With how it was done with the minerals um, and petroleum resource where everything was transferred to the state. If you need to go and apply for a mine, you go to the to the state and you apply for it and then but that's they fine with sure the, that but, they give but, it to that's fine with the mine, but are we going to empty people from their houses, put them in the CBD, which is cracked, and then decide by this application process who gets to go back into their houses. I mean, why would anyone tolerate that? Yeah. The poor or the rich? Why would yeah. anyone put up with that? Yeah, what's right. what's the upshot? So now, now, even if this could possibly work, and I know you can't explain a way of it for it to work because there's just no way. Mm. If it did in your dream scenario, the EFF has this fantasy world where this could happen. Now you've distributed the land equally to everybody. What now? Okay. Because so, they don't own it, so there's no reason for that because the state owns it. Okay, so state custodianship, right, of the land. It means that those who currently occupy the land should apply for licenses and continue using the land and should clearly state in the application of what they want to do with the land. Like, for example, you will be able to – it's just that Garrett wants to simplify this thing to a house. We're not speaking about but your most house. Most people no. live – most so people do not live in rural I'm areas looking to farm. to simplify it to a house. Mm. I just want it – like Jamie said earlier, that it confuses the electorate, mm. right? So what we are talking about – and that's why I specifically said explain it like you would to an 18-year-old, mm. right? Is what I would like to understand is what it is – that you stand for. So when you say land, there are many people in this country who live in rural areas who will leave the land and live in the Mkuku just outside Johannesburg because that land to them does not offer opportunity or value. They would rather come to Joburg and look for a job. So, and for me, this is one of the reasons why the EFF struggles to get voters outside of metropolitan areas, right? Because we don't understand what it is that you are talking about. Okay. But, okay, so we're not going to move from this. You, you are unable to explain it to mm. us, and I, and I accept that. What is your second priority? But I've explained it, but it's okay. Well, that's all right. Yeah, but we don't understand what you're chosen, saying. We've chosen so to move on. Then so what's we want the, what's to nationalize the, the nationalization of mines, banks, and other strategic sectors of the economy. So that is seriously critical because we live in the world where we don't, the, the state does not own, or South Africans don't own their own mines. And therefore, a person comes from outside and they can do whatever they want. They can mine. They even don't even want to pay the taxes, which they should be paying. 
And that's where you get those elicited flows that comes in into, into play. So we want to make sure that um, the nationalization of mine banks and other strategic uh, sectors of the economy are done, are built, building a state and governance capacity, which will lead to the abolishment of the tenders. Um, we also want free quality education, healthcare, houses, and sanitation for all. We want massive protected industrial development to create millions of sustainable jobs in this country. How do you create jobs? You create jobs firstly by making sure that you stabilize your issue of energy. Let's start there first. But you, but why would people work in this EFF utopia? Because you can't own your house. You can't own things. You can't go anywhere. Why would you work? Why would anyone work? Garrett, everybody is going to work. Because why? Everybody's going but to explain get a why. good job. What job? Is the state going to employ everybody? No, the state is not going to employ everybody. So what, but, who would want to run? But, who, like, where would you borrow money to start your business in the EFF utopia if the bank belongs to the EFF or to the, the government? No, it, it doesn't. Be- Why would the government, the government doesn't lend people money. Okay. In any country. No, but it can. If we wanted to design it that way, what, it can. Where are you going to get taxes state- from if you take away people's businesses and houses and you take away the banks and you take away the mines, where is tax money going to come from? Where is the government going to be able to fund itself? No, we're not These taking are like away basic people's questions. Base, we're not taking away people's businesses. We're simply saying that we must have a state bank. We're not saying that other banks must no longer exist, but we're saying that no, we you must said you're going to take over the banks. We must you, have you didn't a say, state No, you bank. said, I'm just going to quote you here, you said we will take over strategic things like the banks. Yes. So that means the other banks won't exist. The government will take over. They're allowed banks. to exist. No one is saying that. You, Why would they want to compete to with a state bank when you'll give the state bank preferential regulatory capacities and, and the ability to make but its own But why rules? not? Because the state bank is actually going to assist our people. People will pay less. In, do, I mean, in you guys. I, I also have a question around our people, mm. that particular phrase. Who is excluded from our people? When you say our people, who is excluded? The white monopoly capital. Who, uh, who is that? What does that look like? White monopoly capital is who? The white monopoly capital is the people who are in charge of um, production in this country. Who are those people? My people. When I say our people, Garrett is my people. You Am are my people. Of course you are people. You don't own the means of production. You are just a normal South African citizen who's making sure that. But I own the means of production here, producing this podcast. No. That could, under your definition, you could take that away. No, come on. You could call me white monopoly capital. No, Garrett, no. No? no. So who is? Just the very rich ones. Yes, your Oppenheimers. Okay. And your Rothschilds. So it's a wealth grab. This is just a wealth grab. This sounds like when a child sees another child has stuff and they just take it from them. Banks, mines, property, businesses. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Let's be charitable to them uh, a little bit because I feel like (laughs) Gareth has um, strawmanned some of the arguments. Okay, then you you help them. Go on. So I think the land conversation, just to go first to the, the question around what land reasonably do socialists speak about, right? You're talking about mining land. You're talking about um, farm farmland and in, um, and agricultural holdings, right? And when you look at the land audit, what it showed there is that 97% of farms and agricultural holdings are owned by 7% of As they the would be in almost every country in the world. 
Sure. But when you then consider <coughs> the historical context. Because farming of, is hard, by the way. I mean, that's why. That's why 7% of the people have to farm the land to get the maximum production out of it so we can eat. You know what? But okay. In a, in a general, um, conversation about markets and free markets and social markets, et cetera, that premise would be, you know, debatable without adding additional context. But here, we have to remember that a lot of this farmland was dispossessed violently under a creation of a set of laws which discriminated on race. But you've got to prove that on a case by case basis. We can't, we so, can't, I mean, we can't make a generalization. Some people have paid in the last 10 years for a farm. Holistically, and you're not wrong about that, which mm. is what makes uh, history uh, a, a complex uh, subject because yeah. so we we're all living it. in a continuation of, of a historical spectrum. You know, as much as you could have bought, a, 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 let's say, a vineyard in, in, in Stellenbosch, legitimately. Most of those belong to foreigners. What, I mean, would you, what would you do about those? Those, those must be expropriated as well, right? Is that a thing? Foreigners can't own land, surely, under the EFFs? The land must be owned by the state. There we go. But but you get what I'm saying, right? I'm not talking about some of the additional dynamics. I'm talking about when you look at the land um, ownership patterns in South Africa, they okay, would but, seem to most people but Jamie, to be you said unjust. I'm, you said I'm strawmanning her argument. She's just said again, and I'm going to take her at her word. I believe her. I take her seriously. She says all the land will belong to the state. So why are you arguing for something no, that I'm, she didn't I'm, say I'm, she believes I'm, I'm contextualizing what I think is the... Fair terrain. Are around. you mansplaining her? No, <laughs> no. I, I think I, I think when we and I'm not talking For about me. the banks or whatever. I think no, the land it's, conversation. It's important. It's important to understand because as a, um, a member of the working committee, is it working committee or war room? Which one is it again? Please war remind council. me. War the council. war council, right? I think she she has a, a thorough grasp of what it is that the policy is, and her argument is. Is that all the land? That is what you're. Is no, that's that what you're saying. What and I'm what you are saying is you. You are then saying you feel a need to clarify. What no, 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 no. I'm clarifying what I think Gareth has done, which is so. I'm I'm Gareth explaining, if okay. anything, because right. Gareth said, "What is the land ownership pattern in South Africa?" And he said that the state owns most of the land. And, yeah, and then what you, I then you, say then is you that the land audit says yes, but you, that, you, you uh, agricultural land agricultural is land. But there is so much land in this country that is not agricultural land that's zoned for military, that's zoned for public works, that is now being incorporated into uh, townships and suburbs around Johannesburg and Pretoria and all these places that are growing. That is government land. It's obviously owned by the state. And if you do a proper land audit of all the all the land, not just the agricultural land, you'll see that that is, in fact, the, the, the case. When we're talking about land in the context of a South African political conversation, right, there are three types of land that we're talking about, right? It's Some land is not… Is not um, arable. Arable and it's not we're, we're talking uh, hospitable, about right? We're talking and about all the, land. Doggos have said all land, so I don't know why we're breaking it down I'm, 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 I just thought it was a little bit of a straw man. Not at all. Because it's I, mining I, I land. I think I've been clear. I, farming both land. Both Doggos and I are quite clear. Like land. we mean all land, right? We mean all land, you and I, in this discussion. There we go. But your focus of the conversation. I told you you'd find it funny how much I agree with the EFF. This is the straw man. The straw man (laughs) I'm pointing out is some of your arguments about residential land, like your house, right, doesn't necessarily apply to um, farmland, which was. um, You're complicating a quite simple issue. She said all land. 
So now, I think there's a straw so, man so somewhere. Pull, okay, there. but but then put me. Let's go back to a question. Three things. So the first one was the land. The second one was the strategic resources and minerals in the bank. Nationalize all of that stuff. And the third and the one third was third one is building state and government capacity. Okay, which lead which will lead to the abolishment of tenders. Now, no one would be against that. <laughs> But that isn't number one. That's number three. When people have researched, and Jamie can back me up on this because he, I know you, you look at these surveys and you take them seriously and you probably interpret them with more time and effort than I do. So I'm willing to be corrected, but the land does not come up as a priority for the majority of South Africans. Well, you know, what? it's not even in the top 10 as far as I've seen. What, what I've, what I've come to find is that there's a bit of a disconnect, right? Uh, between some of the official polling data and some of the discourse on the ground. So when I look at the, the polls, right? Ipsos, uh, Social Research Foundation, several others, mm-hmm. land doesn't show up. Yeah. But oftentimes, um, when I am in either I'm social listening <laughs> or, um, I've just been living life, brides, et cetera, et cetera. In black communities, that is something that I often hear about a lot. For instance, at the at, at my university where I studied, that was a big uh, talking point amongst the students, and that may be a generational thing. Yeah. But I've often found that there's a bit of a disconnect between um, what I hear on the ground but, sometimes but, and what the polling indicates. And as we know, I mean, from I mean, American and European elections, uh, polling isn't always accurate, especially absolutely. when you're Couldn't polling people. But then and, let's let's be careful not to say like among black people, because again, there's huge differences between. Ex people like MPs or, or cabinet ministers when they have a bri, they're not talking of about course, anything and, but and, themselves. And, and, and I and, can't give you outside of that. No, um, of course. But I mean, when you say you, you certainly can't say like black people think X or Y, which would be hugely insulting and we don't have to go down that. Uh, uh-uh. you, it depends. So, so um, you say, you're saying that maybe these polls are skewed and that they don't know black yeah, people. I'm saying that there are <laughs> two types of generalizations. Yeah. One is a hasty generalization, one that is not founded on any scientific basis whatsoever. And then there's a statistical generalization, which can be founded on proper research, uh, sure. listening, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm saying to you is I've tried to reconcile the gap between okay. um, and what, have you what the polling has indicated and what um, you know the, the land discourse sometimes is on social media platforms, etc. And you think it's probably more important than those surveys show? Yes. Okay. So I think that in, right. in the Fair dispossessed enough. communities where people don't have land well, that would or be, ownership of land, that which would are be predominantly great. black, it is a bigger issue uh, than, for instance, the DA would think it so is. So then that would be great news for the EFF. I think that's that why they mean, have 10%. That would mean that they have their finger on the pulse of what most people in this country are actually concerned with, and maybe their three priorities are the three priorities. What do you say, Pumi? We have seven, actually. Seven? Yeah. Oh, there's some more. Yeah. Okay, so after number three, which is like We build. have free quality education, healthcare, houses, and sanitation. Who's paying for that? Because we can't even get the NIH off the ground. I mean, none of our government hospitals work. You see, the problem is. That I mean, I'm just taking health. Again, no, no, you are so, looking at the eye of the country, which is run and, by the ANC. I understand. But where would the EFF do better? How would you do better? Would you, how would you appoint people like in a better way than the ANC have? Okay. There would be cadres, but there would be EFF cadres. Oh. How would it, how would it work? You know what we, okay. You know, cadre deployment in the EFF. Is actually not one of our things. We, we, we actually deploy people on the basis of their strength. If tomorrow there is a skill that we do not have in-house, we'll go and fetch somebody. It doesn't mean that because you must be a member of the… Where would you get doctors and nurses and hospital managers? Because those people aren't going to hang around if you take away their property. 
Oh my God, Garrett! Stop thinking about your house. Think no, I'm not about, thinking about as my. He's explaining, everybody, but but Dokazo, as he's explaining is, to you, you are looking at people, this in a very small scale okay, of so, way of so most looking people, at things. Most people look at their budget every month. Yes. I mean, we're all normal people. None of us are supremely rich. None of us are supremely poor. We we all managing to eke out a living, right? And I take you as an MP. You're not on a huge salary. People always say MPs earn this Ooh, huge amount of money. You don't, right? But. All of us, we think about how much we have to spend every month. We think about what our priorities are. Having a roof over your head is a pretty pretty big priority yes. for most people. And I'm not simplifying this. Mm. I don't think I'm being unkind or straw manning here. Well, Jamie. you know, you know, what, I mean, Garrett, these are things that most people think about. You need transport. You need accommodation. You need food. After that, all the other stuff you can start figuring out. Am I right? So, look, I don't support uh, land expropriation without compensation, right? Because I think um, at the private property level of the house ownership, you have some issues. But I do think that there's a conversation that is important to have about land injustice in South Africa because it's, it's, it seems to me um, cruel to insist on the current land ownership patterns when you have… Is this you know, because you think it's, it's unequal and unfair? I think first and foremost, the way everyone got to most of their addresses is based on history, not necessarily just mere merit. You know, if you, um, but that's had, true for everything. It's true for how you get to school. It's how you get to your job. Exactly. But, but it's how you get healthcare. It's how exactly. you get everything. So it's not, this is not a pure meritocratic outcome is sure, what I'm of saying. Not. 2023 is not a result of people who just started off from a of even not. starting point. But if, if, if the EFF had their way and the state redistributed all of that and changed, started history again, you know, like they did in Stalinist Russia, would that be the same? Well, this is, so I'm not, I'm not going to make their point for them, right? That's why I'm saying that. When I look at the um, land distribution patterns in South Africa, mm. there is a massive injustice and cruelty there, right? To and to insist okay, upon cruelty it, is a is a is a hell of a word. Explain that. It's it's cruel for people who own a lot of land and have lived affluent lives, and some of that land ownership, especially if you look at um, you commercial- said seven percent. So seven yeah, percent yeah. of the people in this country are cruel. No, what I'm saying is insisting on the the status quo. Which is to say, hey, let's say, for example, someone lives in, in, in Houghton or whatever, and they say, well, I, I, I'm in Houghton, I'm comfortable here. You must continue to be comfortable in Alex, and we don't have to have a conversation about the... I don't think anyone thinks... Find me a person who would say that publicly. So when, when who people, would say that? When, when what people, kind of person would go around going... No, no, it's absolutely fine that there are people who live in absolute poverty. There's so, no one in any of the parties that I could think of. Would, can you, Dogozo? Is there anyone in the EFF, the DA, the ANC who would go, yeah, it's fine for those poor people? So we all agree poor. that land, land needs uh, to be uh, – the, the land question needs to be resolved one way or another, right, uh, in terms of the conversation we have outside of the nationalization one. Hmm. So in this room, we agree. Then the question then becomes, what then do you do? Because when it gets personal, right, when you then say, let's put affordable housing in Seapoint, then people say, well, I don't want affordable housing in my neighborhood because that's going to depreciate the value of my property. Mm. Then that's when you start to hear the... The, the little cruelty there because okay, it's not cruelty. That's just, you don't, you want to, but then what do I we mean, do? Why, do why, we do? Why, are, why are black people moving into suburbs that were 80% white and, and they're happy to do so by their own free will? You can't say that those people are making decisions about, 
property values and being cruel. They want their kids to grow up in a nice neighborhood. So at an at a individual level, your argument is solid. No question about it. Everyone wants to be the best. But you must look at everything at an individual level. You, not, no, that's if you're where, making, that's not, You and Pumi and I are making policy. Dogozo is, and she's told us her policy. I, I would disagree with somebody who makes that liberal argument that everything needs to be looked at at an individual level because some things are social and some things are community-based, right? And if you only look at your safety in your neighborhood as Gareth, you may not live in a very safe neighborhood because sometimes you have to collaborate on safety and that's why we have all of these safety companies and interventions and gated communities, etc. Secure private security, and we have police. But I, I think that we we are currently stuck in a quagmire around this issue of land and what the meanings of all of those things are. And I think we're missing the opportunity with having Dogazo here of of really digging deep into the mind of this organization and. Understanding and, and I suppose, Dogozo, and this is why for me, I keep asking the question to say, explain it to me until I understand it. Um, as if you were talking to an 18 year old. And the reason I make that particular request is because if you think about who the voters are, these are the people who are supposed to give you the mandate. But if you are not able to engage them and explain, to them, then that's why they don't show up to vote. You know, people don't show up to vote not because we're not explaining. People are not showing up to vote because they're just simply tired of the status quo which has been happening in this country. And we are honestly calling on them to make sure that next year they come up in their numbers and they go in. Sorry, you're going to have to say that again for me because I was distracted by something falling behind me. <laughs> Sorry, folks. It's falling apart. I thought it was we're, falling we, on me. We, we lost our internet now. <laughs> Things are falling on, falling on for me. Doggos, I promise you next time we'll have a much, well, no, much nicer welcome. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, really, it's like there are people who don't want us to be here the way things are happening. Well, trust me, I want you to be here. We so, want you to on, be here. Answer Pumi's question, though, about the 18-year-old. Why people aren't going to vote? Because that is an important question that all of you must have thought about. I, no, we have, actually. Um, when yeah. you look at the last election, the voter turnout was a concerning, I think, across all political parties. We were concerned about the lower voter turnout because in the end of the day, if people don't come out and vote, they're going to lose trust in the system itself. And if people can <clears throat> lose the system of saying, if I vote, change will come, if people can lose that, will then might have to face an unled revolution, which is the most dangerous thing that any country can face. So it is, I think people have just lost hope because young people are not getting jobs. I mean, yeah. I mean, you all know what we're right. faced with. You know, they, you go to a hospital, you, you will yeah. stay there the whole day. You might not even get anything except Panado. You might not get the help you need. Education is in titles. You know, everything is just literally very bad. And I think maybe our people no longer have hope. And that is why in the EFF we're saying 2024 is our 1994. If we are not going to do what our parents did in 1994, mm. we might find ourselves in a hole that we might be, it might be very difficult for the country to get out of. I mean, we're owing everybody. <laughs> you know, the 19, I'm so glad you brought it up. The 2024 is our 1994. <clears throat> Firstly, because the first time I heard that slogan was with Rai Zanzi. And so I wondered if this is a conversation you are having with them 
Because when they launched, that was their big launch slogan, right? And so I wondered if you are having the conversation with them and that's why you now have the same slogan. No, no, they took it from us. We're not having any conversation with anybody. They can rise wherever they want. We don't have So why are you using their slogan? But anyway. <laughs> no, they took it but from us. That's fine. Because, you know, it is, I mean, next year is going to be a biggest decider. That's why you can see panic everywhere. Uh, other political parties panicking because it is now clear that the ANC is going to decline. It's a matter now of making sure that um, people go out and vote. And they, we need to go back and teach our people that their vote is important. And I understand, I mean, for 30 years you've been voting and nothing changes. You still live in the same mm. poverty cycle that your parents were living under. So it is critical for people to understand how important their votes are. And then a, a vote can bring a change. I mean, the South Africa does not start and end with the ANC. There are options in this country. And then they must go and just make sure that they vote correctly and they vote for the organization that is going to push South Africa forward. So you, you raise the fact that you think that the reason people don't show up to vote is because they are losing hope. Mm. And given all of that you have told us now, do you think any of that gives hope? Because as I'm sitting here, having been listening to you, I'm more confused you know, than EFF, before. But EFF, do you think it gives hope? Do EFF, you think that messaging you know, is EFF a hopeful message? does give hope to the people. I mean, since we came into existence, we have changed a lot. Um, I mean, we've also raised a lot of issues as well. I mean, the issue of um, education, the issue of, you know, Land, the issue of either you agree with it or not, the fact is that people in South Africa are speaking about it. People are talking about it. The issue of free education, people are talking about it. The importance of a quality education, not just education, because that's another thing we're suffering from where everybody will just take kids to university, but they don't study for the skills which yeah. are necessary. And then they, they, they end up getting out of university and can't get a job can't get a job. So all these things that we speak about, the free quality uh, healthcare, is all the things that, you know, it gives hope tomorrow. We have medical aids. You know, your life, you may not even understand what happens when you go to a government hospital or where you go to a clinic where you go there, you stay for hours and you don't even get a proper check. You don't understand people who have passed away, like the incident that we've had when an ambulance have left a person on the side because the but paramedics did not want to go up These the are stairs. not new conversations. Mm. The conversation of land, for instance, was a PAC policy with Robert Sobukwe, who has long since died. So this is not a new conversation that you have added to the discourse no, of it, South Africa. Actually, it is because I think a oh. lot of a lot of no. Robert Sobukwe wasn't no, talking no, no. about hear, that. Hear me correctly. Okay. What EFF has done. There have been issues in this country, and some of those issues people may have talked about it, but a spotlight have never been shined on them. You know, a spotlight have never honestly been shined on them. I mean, Alex has been there for how many years, for crying out loud? And, you know, a lot of people may not, they are fine, they're okay with it to say, I'm staying in Sentin, and there's an Alex like, what is the solution? No one, people were never speaking about such issues. What is the solution to Alex? How this do we house our people? Because people have been, I think of, I mean, they were banned books talking about the issue of Alexander. So this is not a new issue. And artworks. <laughs> there are artworks it's, all over but, the world. But so, we have put it, but what we have shined a serious asking, light on it as the EFF. 
you may think you have and incorrectly so because these conversations are conversations that have been happening even with our grandparents and that's okay my question though has not been answered around whether you feel this message that for us at least in the room we have talked about now for almost an hour if it does the job of giving the hope that you think is what will make South Africans come and vote. We give hope to South Africans. And I think judging by the growth of the EFF, when others have died out, we have grown. So do we give hope? I guess the people have said it. <laughs> so I guess the, the full circle then. Um, we are which, giving hope to the people. And that is why today we're celebrating 10 years. The full circle date, which is where we started this conversation, which may have sounded at the time like it was a, a flippant question. But it's for me a very serious question. When Julius Malema calls a press conference and says to everybody gathered and everybody that sees the message thereafter, there was a directive given to the leaders of this organization to organize round number 3,000 buses filled with the people who are their constituents and they have only confirmed a third of that number. And I will hold them accountable by naming and shaming those people. And here we are two weeks later, and you're not willing to name and shame people who have not <laughs> been not able. Me. She, who have she, not been able I'm not a spokesperson to of the <laughs> a commitment <laughs> to the not. party. So they were unable to meet a commitment set by the leader of their party to their party, how can we believe that they will be able to meet a commitment that they are setting for the country when they can't be accountable I see. and hold to that commitment oh, for their I own party? I see the angle you are going with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe let's put it this way. Number one, maybe let me correct this. It is the organization that gives a directive. So the organization gave a directive to... Uh, members of parliament, councillors, members of the legislature, that they must be able to bring um, their people, their constituencies to the celebration. Because obviously we want to fill up FNB inside and out, you know. Yes, others may, uh, many have complied and others may have not. And um, it may be certain things, we'll talk about it in War Council when we get the final report of those who did not comply. And probably they'll be asked to explain why they didn't comply. Obviously, a bus from Cape Town, you can imagine how much is it does it cost compared well, to a person who's in Johannesburg. Maybe, so. Pumi, maybe just because we're running out of time on this, I want, I want, don't want Jamie to have wasted his morning just coming to argue with me about land. So maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe Jamie what we can... will come and argue with you about anything. That's why no, we're thrilled to have it. Um, but... But Dogozo, I think maybe then it's fair for us to ask that you should maybe ask the CIC to stand by his word and to report back to us on who these bad people are in the organization and maybe fire them. So I mean, you, maybe you could just ask they it. would be held accountable. <laughs> I, mean, I hope he yes, finds them. I mean, we do I mean, hold each other him. accountable in the Would EFF. you just ask him I mean, for that's us? That's what just makes us who we are. I mean, we don't play inside the organization. Just tell me what on this show and these people, these irritating people are asking you these uh, really where's annoying the questions. Yeah, where's the weird, weird <laughs> demand know, the list? I don't know everything <laughs> I mean, you guys can ask for. You are busy asking for the list. You don't even want to, to we understand. We want the list. You're not even asking for VIP tickets. You're not even asking for tickets to the FNB. 
stadium. Uh-uh. You don't even want to go to uh-uh. Uncle's Tom and go uh-uh. and see our exhibition that has been no. running since the 7th I until am, the 24th. I am going to, to let Jamie have the closing word on this, but I am pleased you're here. You are always welcome here. So is Julius, so is Floyd, so is Buiseni, so is everybody, right? Mm. It's the first time we've met. Mm. Um, we'll probably have many more conversations. I think that the EFF has got a number of problems. Pumi sketched a few of those uh, problems. Jamie said that things are looking sunny for you because many people care about the things that you care about as a party. Um, but let's keep talking because we're not going to get anywhere in this country, and that's why I do appreciate the fact that among all the things that he and I disagree about, your CIC says we've got to talk to each other. Yes. The parties must talk to each other. There's mm-hmm. no one you can't make a uh, a concession to there's no one you can't compromise with otherwise you don't have a, a country mm. you've that's just got a bunch politics. of people who hate each other and that's stupid so uh jamie you get the closing word okay pressure um so i i think that the eff is going to grow um in the next election i do think that they do have a message that does resonate with a few people um and maybe that ceiling is 15 percent or whatever the number may be um but on the on 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 top of that i do think that the opposition parties are underestimating uh, 2024 because of the current polling that's coming out. You know, there's a book I read in high school called I'll Marry When I Want by Ngugi Wathiongo. Mm-hmm. And in the end of that story, the old man wins. And Turkey is another example of how the old man can win. And I think the DA, the EFF, and a lot of people who are trying to uh, stake, um, you know, land on, on the chessboard, so to speak, are... Uh, underestimating the power of incumbency and the collective experience of a political party, which has been in existence for over 100 years. And if we are going to see a new government next year, these opposition parties will have to work a lot harder and will have to maybe do even what you're doing, talk with a little bit more good faith and goodwill to each other to actually do what Mpumi is suggesting, uh, encourage young people to get interested in the next election because it won't be 1994 if most of the population feels like it's a waste of time and everyone is squabbling. Yeah. And the less of a mandate we give to any of these parties, I mean, it was, it was what decided by about 11 million voters last time around. That's, mm-hmm. that's not even, 18 million. but that, that's such a tiny proportion of the total population of this country. You're telling me that the vast majority of South Africans have just given up. That's a very scary thought. It is very scary thought for everyone involved the politicians, and the rest of us. Okay, I'm afraid we're going to have to call this party to an end. But your party still continues. <laughs> yes, we are continuing on the 29th of July. Please, everybody must come and join us. In there the are, believe it or not, there are going to be EFF supporters in our audience who will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, Dogoza. Thank you, Jamie. Pleasure. Thank you, Pumelele. We will see everybody again next week for the same thing in the Burning Platform. And uh, I really uh, appreciate the fact that there were so many comments that we can get to. I'm sorry, guys. We will put those comments to the next EFF person who comes to speak to us, if it isn't Dogozo. <laughs> All right. And uh, have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>